for them. With the Lord's help, I am going to begin a message series today on marriage and the family that I've titled Desperate Households. And I believe that at one time or the other, any one member of a household or any combination of members of a household can find themselves in what they would consider a desperate situation. Wives sometimes are desperate for husbands who will lead. Husbands sometimes are desperate for wives who will support them in their role as leader. Parents sometimes find themselves desperately searching for answers on how to deal with that strong-willed child or that wayward teenager. And let's not forget the teenagers. They, at times, are desperately seeking for someone who will just take time to listen to them and understand where they're coming from. And we could go on and on with suggestions as to the desperation that exists at times in the lives of, of parents and spouses and children. I even thought about going to the internet and digging up a bunch of statistics to try and prove to you the desperation that exists in the average American home today. But the truth is, there's plenty of proof of that all around you. You hear the stories. You feel the questions. So you know what I'm talking about this morning. It, it, it is an undeniable fact. I would even go so far as to say that even within our own church family, there exist desperate households. And I believe with all of my heart this morning that there are some husbands and wives, that there are some moms and dads, some children and teens who desperately need a word from the Lord. And it's my prayer that they will receive exactly what they need over the course of the next several weeks that will help them, by God's grace, transform their desperate households into dynamic ones. So let's, let me make a couple of disclaimers at, at, at this point before I go any further. Number one, I do not consider myself an expert on the subjects of marriage and family, believe me, I have made my fair share of mistakes, both as a husband and as a father, and after nearly 40 years of parenting and marriage, I could probably tell you more things not to do than I could tell you what to do. I do not claim to have all of the answers to all of your problems, but I am absolutely convinced this morning that I hold in my hand a book that contains the answers, either by principle or sometimes by direct command. We find the answers for marriage and, and family in the Word of God, and if we will apply those and if we will obey those, then it will result in happiness and harmony in the home. Now, because we're having a special child dedication um, service today, I've decided to start this series by focusing on the most, what I think are the most strategic years of a child's life. Those years from birth to adolescence. Because it's during these years that a, a child's personality and life patterns are established. 
It's during these years that he or she is the most pliable and most easily shaped. And so I'm going to ask you to join me this morning, if you have your Bibles with you, to the 127th Psalm. Psalm 127. Now here's my second disclaimer. Parents, when it comes to raising children, there are no guarantees. All right, can we, can we get that this morning? But pastor, you said, listen, there are no guarantees when you're raising children. You can do everything right as a parent, which by the way, no parent does everything right. But let's just hypothetically say that a parent does everything right. Listen to me. Your heart can still be broken by a rebellious and irresponsible son or daughter. And here's the reason for that. It's because God has built into every one of us and into every one of our children the moral capacity to make right and wrong decisions. But just because there are no guarantees is no reason to give up on the Bible. I would submit to you this morning that your chances of raising dynamic children for the glory of God are greater with the Bible than they are without it. So with those things being said, let's explore God's Word in search of the keys to raising dynamic children. Let's begin in verse 5. I better get there myself. Psalm 127, beginning in verse 3. Lo, that doesn't mean short or near to the ground. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. Now you, you can determine what full is, all right? For us it was three. For others it may be more. But they're blessed who has a full quiver. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Here's the first thing that I would say this morning when it comes to raising dynamic children. Dynamic children are loved. Now let's, let's, get, let's get this thing right from the very start. If you're not on board with what I'm about to say, you're, you're, you're just going to drift out there for the next uh, two hours or so. Kidding. Uh, for the next uh, 35, 40 minutes. Children are not a burden. They are a blessing. They are not accidents. They're assignments. They aren't mistakes. They're masterpieces. Designed and developed by the great and grand architect of all living things. And as such, they are deserving of the highest love. I hope you're on board with that this morning. There are at least three ways that parents can communicate love to their children. They can do it, first of all, by receiving them graciously. Note the word in our text, verse 3. Note the word heritage. That word means property or possession. It means that which is shared or assigned. Listen, children are not just born from below. They are given from above. They are gifts from God. And while they are by no means perfect, Children are precious, as the word reward suggests. As a matter of fact, listen, they are so precious. Mom and Dad get this this morning. They are so precious that they are the only thing in this life that you can take to heaven with you. Think about that. The only thing you have in this life are your children. As far as things that you can take to heaven. 
You can't take your house to heaven. You can't take your cars to heaven. You can't take your money to heaven. You can't take your stocks and bonds to heaven. You can't take your investments to heaven. You can't take your guns to heaven. You can't take whatever other toys you own. You can't take those to heaven. But listen to me. You can take your children to heaven with you. That's how precious they are. That's how valuable they are. And that's why they deserve to be loved so highly. Here's another thing. You can show them love by accepting them personally. And here's what I mean by that. Accept them for who they are. I made reference to this a couple of Wednesday nights ago um, in a message that I was preaching. And I'll say it again this morning that one of the worst things that a parent can do is compare one child to the other. Mom and Dad, listen, every one of our children are created uniquely, and they need to be loved that way. Every child has his or her own unique personality. Don't try to make them into somebody they're not. Just love who they are. Every child has his or her own unique giftedness. You may have two sons, and one may be a gifted athlete, and another may be a gifted pianist. So what? What difference does it make? Don't try to, to make the pianist into an athlete, and don't try to force the athlete into playing the piano. God has created them with their own particular bent towards certain things, so just go with it. Just help them achieve. Every child has his or her own unique emotional makeup. Listen, God doesn't make copies. He makes originals. So accept your child or children for who and what they are and don't try to change them in terms of those things that I just talked about. You can communicate love to your children by receiving them graciously, by understanding that they're not a burden, that they are a blessing from God, that they are gifts that are to be cherished and loved. You can show them love by accepting them personally. And then here's the third thing, by providing them security. Dad, I know this is not Father's Day, but I got a message for you this morning, so listen carefully. The single greatest thing you can do to show love to your child or to your children is to love their mother. You want to give them something? Then you let them see you loving their mom. And ladies... The same holds true for you. The single greatest thing you can do to show love for your child or your children is to love their father. I want you to listen to this quote. It was made by Jay Kessler in his book, Raising Responsible Kids. And here's what he said. The primary relationship between a husband and wife is the foundation on which kids build their sense of security, their identity, and learn, get this, and learn to relate to their own spouse. Couples are virtually helpless in relating to one another in later life if they have not observed a healthy relationship between their own parents. Now, many of you know my story. My brother and I, we weren't raised in a Christian home. We weren't taken to church. We weren't made to go to church. We're here today because of God's grace. That's the bottom line. Both of our parents, I loved them and they loved, we loved them and they loved us. But they fought all the time. They were both alcoholics. And they fought and they argued all the time. 
My wife, she comes from the same kind of background. Her parents were more abusive. My parents were never abusive. My wife's parents were abusive. So in my home, the, the model of, of communication and conflict resolution was yelling and screaming. And whoever yelled and screamed the loudest and the longest, which was usually my mom, won. So finally, Dad would just say, okay, whatever. And he would just sit there and listen to her. So consequently, when I entered marriage, and I'm not using this as an excuse, I'm just telling you the way it is, and I'm trying to compliment the quote this morning, when we entered into our marriage, we didn't communicate very well. We didn't resolve conflict very well. Because we didn't have a good example. And that's exactly what he's saying this morning, that if you want to love your kids, one of the greatest things you can do for them as a parent is to model good communication, good conflict resolution, love one another, give to one another, treat one another with honor and respect. Because here's what you're doing, mom and dad. You are painting a picture and setting an example that your children, unless God intervenes, they will mimic. Amen. And they will follow. Now, I understand God's grace, and I understand God's intervention, and I understand how God can change all of that by putting other good examples in their lives. But by and large, our children are going to mimic our marriage relationship. And I hope for your children's sake this morning that that's a good example. And if not, then it needs to start getting better, which is part of why I'm preaching this series over the next several weeks, because our children need a good example. And I listen, I don't want you to think I'm disrespecting my mom and dad. They got saved later in life, and I praise God for that. But I'm just telling you how it is, how it was. It wasn't good. And consequently, I carried that pattern into my own marriage early on, and it wasn't good, and it wasn't pretty. Mom and Dad, if you want to love your children, then model a happy, secure, loving marriage. And for those who have not yet had children, would you listen to me this morning? Make sure you learn to love each other before you bring someone else into your relationship who needs love. Newlyweds, parents without children, did you get that this morning? Learn to get along. Learn to communicate. Learn to resolve conflict. Learn to become financially responsible before you ever bring somebody else into that relationship. You see, all of, all of this is part of, of growing up. And your children, listen, your children have a better chance of growing up if their parents have done so first. Did he just say that? Yeah. Your children... I'm talking to parents right now without kids who may be contemplating children. Your parents, your, your children have a greater chance of growing up right if mom and dad have grown up first. So, Pastor, are you suggesting that we're not grown up? I don't know you. But I am saying this, not every, there's nothing magical about marriage that grows you up. And I've married a lot of people. And I'll just tell you the truth, they haven't all been grown-ups. I don't care how old they were. But they never came to me and said, hey, you think we ought to get married? Had they said that, I would have probably been honest with them. So I, I, from what I observed, eh. come back in 30 years and we'll talk about it. But are you tracking with me this morning? Dynamic children are loved. 
Dynamic children are trained. Hey, contrary to what some may think, dynamic children don't just happen. They are not the products of chance. It doesn't all boil down to the fact, well, some have it and some don't. No, no, listen, every child has the potential to be dynamic, but they must be trained. Mom and Dad, listen, I could, I could just go off and preach right here, but there's a reason you are in your children's lives. It's because you are to be their life coaches. You are to be their teachers. You are to be their trainers. Oh. Some parents, they just, oh, I just want to be their friend. Listen to me this morning. Your kids don't need you as their friend right now. They need you as their mom and dad. And I've said this a million times, and here's a million and one. If you will be your child's parent for the first 18 years of, your, of their lives, you'll have the next 50 or 60 to be their friends. So how do you know? For you? Because I'm living it. I'm telling you. I wasn't always my son's friend growing up. We were not always our daughter's friend when they were growing up. But here we are these, all these years later, and I'm so thankful that, that there were times when, when they didn't like me very much because they love me now. And I'm thankful for that. Parents, that's what you are. And if you want to raise dynamic children, and listen, say so. I'm not saying that you can't have a good relationship between you and your, your son or daughter. You need to. But when it comes down, okay, am I going to be their friend today or am I going to be their parent? You better be their parent. And that means that sometimes you're not going to be very popular. And they're not going to like you and they're going to text about you and they're going to tweet about you and they're going to Facebook about you. So what? So what? God will honor your parenting. And you'll be glad you did it. The psalmist said in verse 4, As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Now I have here a bow and an arrow. And that is the extent of my knowledge. I could have easily said a bow and an arrow. This is the extent, really, of, of my knowledge in regards to these pieces of equipment. But here's the point that I want to make this morning. What is true of dynamic children is also true of archers they don't just happen there's not a there's not an archer in here this morning that just picked one up and boom was perfect and I know we have some archers this morning archery is really not a matter of some having it and some not having it and I would venture to guess that the majority of us listen the majority of us in this room this morning, have the potential of being a, at least a decent archer. But only if we're trained. Now that being the case, what would it take for someone like me to become a decent archer? Well, first of all, I would need an able trainer. Someone like Travis Burgess, who has been shooting a, a bow and arrow for a number of years now, um, he trained his wife. And she struck the target on the ladies' day from way over there. I'm not even sure I could go over there and stick it in the middle from here. And she stood over there, boom, she nailed it. 
but only after being exposed to an able trainer. And then I would also need adequate time. It takes a little bit of time to develop the skills necessary to become a good archer. And then I would need absolute truth. There are some things about bows and arrows that never change. They are constant. And they are, excuse me, they are always the same. They're true all the time. Now I say that to say this this morning, what it would take to train me to be a good archer is the very same things that it takes to train and, and, and teach and coach dynamic children. They need an able trainer. Now, who do you suppose that trainer or those trainers are? Well, let me give you a hint by telling you who it isn't. It isn't their coach. It isn't their teachers or their babysitter or their grandparents, or an aunt, or an uncle. Those are all good people, and they may have an impact in your child's life, but mom and dad are the God-given able trainers, or at least should be the able trainers in the lives of their children. That is one of the principles that is stated over and over again in the book of Deuteronomy. If mom, listen, if mom and dad are going to train their children to be dynamic for God, then they've got to be living it themselves. Come on, help me. Mom and dad have to be walking the walk and not just talking the talk. They've got to be setting a good example. And, and, and that principle is a biblical principle that is shared with us over and over again in the book of Deuteronomy. For example, bring it up there, Brother Dustin. Deuteronomy 4, 9, only take heed to thy who? To thyself, and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, and lest they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life. But teach them, what? The things that you've seen, the things that you've been taught. Teach them thy sons and thy son's son. And then we have this from Deuteronomy 6. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. It would be a dangerous thing for a person to come to me and say, Pastor, I saw you holding a bow and arrow in church this morning. You suppose you could teach me to be an archer? That's a dangerous proposition right there. The answer is no, I can't. Why? Because I'm not an able archer myself. I can't teach you something that I don't know. And by the same token, it's, it's a dangerous thing for parents who are not living by the book to try and train their children to live by the book. Listen, hypocritical parents will do more harm than good. Mom and Dad, you better be real in your walk with God or you may very well be the ones responsible for turning your kids away from God and them tuning out spiritual things for the rest of their lives. Now listen to me. I'm thankful that we serve a God of grace who can redeem our regrets and who can, who can clean up our mistakes. Because I made plenty of them as a dad. And so I'm not saying that just absolutely you're, every kid's going to run away from God. I'm not saying that because of God's grace. But let's not make that happen. What mom and dad need to do is step it up spiritually to the point that they are able trainers. And then let's talk about adequate time. Over time... Probably a long span of time, even I, Brother Travis, even I, could be trained to shoot a bow and arrow with accuracy. But the key is time. Well, preacher, here's an archery for dummies book. Have at it. Hey, preacher, let's, let's go to this archery competition. Let's, let's go hang out there and, 
I mean, that would be okay, but it wouldn't be enough. For me to learn to shoot a bow and arrow, someone's going to have to take the time to help me. By the same token, mom and dad, listen, putting a Bible in your child's hand is not good enough for them to become dynamic for God. Just bringing them to to Sunday school and to church and sending them to youth camp and bringing them to youth activities, while all of that is good, listen, it's not enough if you want them to become dynamic for God. One Christian writer said this, Christian parents see the season of parenting as the ultimate spiritual challenge. Worthy of their best efforts, most fervent prayers, and largest investment of time. Parents, if you want to raise dynamic children, you must spend time one-on-one with your child doing, listen, do, well, pastor, we go to all their games, we go to all their activities, listen to me. None of that. None of that will help them be dynamic for God. I tried to be at every one of my son's and my daughter's functions. Mom and dad, if you don't spend time with them doing things that will enhance their lives spiritually, they may be great citizens. They may be productive citizens. They may become great athletes. But in the end, none of that really matters. What matters is what they did for God. So I can appreciate all of the sacrifice that parents make doing things with their kids, but if part of the sacrifice of your time does not involve this book, and biblical principles, and spiritual things, then you're missing the point. God didn't give children, parents, first and foremost, to create bankers and lawyers and and professional athletes. God put parents in the lives of children to produce dynamic children for His honor and His glory. And that ought to be our primary focus. And then there's absolute truth. The Bible, listen, I'm not going to apologize for saying this. The Bible is the absolute truth. That means that our culture is not. Other books are not. Suggestions from other parents are not absolute truth. And for you social media people, neither is the word of a sexuality educator from Australia named Deanne Carson, who said you should ask your infant permission or consent to change their diaper. (laughs) Some of you are going like this. Yeah, exactly. But I will move on. All you ladies that work in the nursery, try that next time. <laughs> we are, it, it, would it be okay? Would it be okay if I change your diaper? <laughs> ah! Seriously, we could go on with that forever. But pastor, does it really matter how we train our children? Absolutely it does. Let me, let me share this with you real quick. Psalm 78, verses 1 through 6. Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers, note that, and our fathers have told us, we will not hide them from their children. Showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works that He hath done. 
For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children. Here's something that you need to understand, Mom and Dad. Your family is a relay of virtues from one generation to the next. You and I are just links in a very, very long chain. So here's what I want you to remember this morning. You are not just training your children. You are training them so they will in turn train theirs. And they in turn will train theirs. And them theirs. And it goes right on down the line. So here's the truth. Your little ones will either be a part of the solution to the problems facing the society they live in or they will be a source of more problems. Dynamic children are loved. Dynamic children are trained. And then I'll say this, dynamic children are disciplined. I want you to look at this arrow that, that I hold in my hands. And if you were up here, you would see how incredibly smooth it is, how straight it is, how polished it is, how perfectly shaped the, the feathers are. It's made of wood. I asked for a wooden one specifically. Because at one point, this was nothing more than a stick. It was rough and knotty. And it had to be shaped and molded to look this way. And by the same token, in their natural state, children are rough and knotty. Amen. Just like their parents, by the way. If you don't believe me, here's what the psalmist said. The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born, speaking lies. Psalm 51.5, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. So here's the biblical truth. From the time they are conceived... Children are sinners. They're like ducks. Ducks aren't born swimming, but they are born swimmers. Children aren't necessarily born sinning, but they are born sinners. Sinners, sinning comes very naturally to them. This is an illustration I use over and over and over again. I don't care who the parent is in here this morning, you did not have to teach your son or daughter to lie. Did you? Now, son, listen. There's some things Dad needs to talk to you about. There's some things you need to learn. And one of the things you need to learn, you need to learn how to lie, and you need to learn how to lie good. <laughs> Any parent ever have to teach their son to do that? Any mom here have to teach their sweet little daughter to look you in the eye when you said don't touch that and she just looks at you in defiance and reached over there and touched it? Any mom have to train their daughter to do that? No. Why? Because they are naturally disobedient. They are naturally rebellious. They are naturally sinners. I mean, from the time they are conceived and from birth, and it's true, it was true for us as well. From birth, they are set on going their own way and doing their own thing. It's because they're rough and naughty that they have to be shaped and molded into well-mannered, obedient, dynamic children. And this shaping and molding takes place a lot of the times as a result of discipline. Now listen, no one has to tell me at this point that I am about to tread places where angels dare not tread. 
All morning I've been saying to myself, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. I get it this morning. The issue of discipline, the area of discipline, can be very controversial. I get it. And I'll be the first to admit this morning that some of what is called discipline is nothing short of abuse. And I want you to know this morning, I do not condone abuse in any way, shape, or form, whether it's physical or verbal or emotional. And there are some major differences between discipline and abuse. For example, the purpose is different. The purpose of abuse is to inflict pain. The purpose of discipline is to promote growth. The motivation is different. The motivation for abuse is anger. The motivation for discipline is love. And the results are different. The result of discipline is good behavior. The result of abuse is physical and emotional injury and bitterness. Slapping in the face, kicking, twisting, and or pulling limbs, that's not what God had in mind when he spoke of correcting a child. That's not effective discipline. And neither is yelling and screaming and belittling. Let me share something with you real quick that I've shared with you before, but I want to do it again for those that may not have caught it or may not have heard it before. When parents resort to such drastic measures as yelling and screaming to get their children to obey, they're not only adding undue stress to their home life and destroying what should be a joyful atmosphere in the home, but they are setting their child up for some difficult days spiritually. And here's what I mean by that. The ultimate goal of parenting is to one day see our children respond to the still small voice of the Holy Spirit as he speaks to them and calls them to salvation. But if all a child learns, uh, if a child only learns to obey when his or her parents finally blow up and get belligerent with them, then that child's heart is not being trained to properly respond to the quiet prompting and prodding of the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, this type of child often turns into a teenager and later on an adult that will only respond to God after he has had to do something drastic or dramatic in his or her life in order to get their attention. So mom and dad, let me ask you a very pertinent question at this point. Will your style of discipline make it more easy or more difficult for your son or daughter to hear and respond to the Spirit's call to salvation. Let me give you three things real quick regarding discipline. Number one, discipline early. Proverbs 13, 24 says, In part, he that loveth him, that is his child, chasteneth him be times. The word be times there doesn't mean a lot. It means early. Well, Pastor, how early is early? My opinion is that a child is, is old enough to be disciplined in some form or fashion when he or she is old enough to knowingly and deliberately disobey. Listen, there's a big difference, mom and dad, between a child accidentally dropping their milk or their bottle and deliberately throwing it down on the ground. There's a difference. So there needs to be a difference in how those kind of things are handled. One big problem with child discipline is that parents wait until it's too late. Solomon warns us against making that mistake. He said in Proverbs 19, 18, Jason, thy, thy son, while there is hope, which suggests that there may come a time in the future when there's no longer hope. Discipline appropriately. And I'm not going to apologize for the Bible. 
Because the Bible needs absolutely no apology from me or from any other pastor who stands in the pulpit. So let's be clear that spanking is an appropriate form of discipline. But let's also be clear this morning that, it's not, that it doesn't always have to be the first option. Listen to what the Lord said in Revelation 3.19, As many as I love, I rebuke. Note the order, I rebuke and chasten. To rebuke means to tell a fault. So here's what I would suggest, parents. Try speaking before spanking. Don't try to cure everything with a spanking. Don't forget what what we said about conditioning your child's heart to hear the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit. So discipline should be administered early, appropriately, and then I'd say this, it should be administered lovingly. (laughs) To watch some parents discipline their children, you'd think they're trying to get even with them. Discipline is not about correction, or excuse me, is about correction, not revenge. And and let me say this, do not make the mistake of dealing with your children in the home the way you deal with others on the job. Dads especially, don't miss this, if you're in a position of authority in the workplace, You've got to understand, you can't deal with your wife and children the way you deal with those you work with. There's a certain way you need to to deal with people at work. I get that. But don't try to deal with your wife or your children in the same manner. At some point, you've got to learn to shift gears. Say, I'm not at work now. I'm not of this now. I'm not of that now. I'm a husband and I'm a father. And I left that other 30 minutes ago. You with me? And then please, please, please listen to me on this. Do not discipline out of anger. Just, and, and I, could, I could spend a lot of time there, but I've got to hurry on. There are some who would say, well, Pastor, I just don't think discipline and love, I I just don't think that they go together. Uh, They're mutually exclusive. They're at odds with each other. The, The two just don't go together. But that's not the case. I referenced part of Proverbs 13, 24 a moment ago. Let me read the whole verse. He that speareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. And I'm wrapping it up now. Here's something that parents must never forget. Discipline is not something you do to your children. It's something you do for them. When you exercise biblical discipline, you are in effect saying this. I love you too much to let you behave that way. That's the principle behind biblical discipline. It's love. Son, I love you too much to let you speak to your mom that way. Sweetheart, I love you too much to let you go around the house with that kind of attitude. It's motivated by love. And it's because we want them to one day conform to the principles of this book and receive Christ as their Savior. So as I wrap it up this morning, I want to give you one verse, one quote, and a couple of quick comments. And the verse is from our text right here, Psalm 127, verse 4. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. And here's the quote. It's by Stu Weber. In his book titled Tender Warrior, I want you to listen to this. Several thousand years ago, the invention of the bow and arrow changed the face of warfare forever. For the first time, a warrior could impact a battle scene from a great distance. Similarly, our children are the only messages we'll send to a world we'll never see. They are the only provisions we have 
for impacting a world at a distance. So to the children, the, the parents of small children this morning, I would ask you this. What kind of impact will you make on the generation of tomorrow as the result of your parenting today? And this message obviously has been directed to the parents of small children, but the truth is all parents can benefit from many of the things that have been said today. Parents, how are you doing at loving your kids? How are you doing at loving your spouse in front of your kids? Are you providing them with a secure, loving atmosphere? What about in your training? Are you... Are you an able trainer? Are you actually living the things that you're trying to teach your children? Are you ex exercising the right discipline in the right way? When the time comes, will your children be able to hear the still small voice of the Holy Spirit of God or will God have to yell at them and do something drastic in their life to get their attention? And then I'll say this as our musicians come this morning. Um, Dad, the greatest gift that you could give your children today is a saved mom and a saved dad. I told you I didn't have that. My brother didn't have that growing up. My mom got saved here at Fellowship Baptist Church in 1989. We praise God for that. My dad got saved at his kitchen table in Tyrone in July of 2001. I praise the Lord for that. God allowed us to establish something that down throughout the history of our family never was. That was a Christian home. And I'm thankful for that. And I'm thankful that God let our three children establish Christian homes. And all of my brothers, my nieces, nephews, they've got Christian homes. I'm thankful for that. But it's because in 1976, I got saved. 1977, my brother got saved. And I'm glad. The greatest gift you could give to your children today would be a mom and dad who are born again by the grace of God. So if that's your need today, I'd encourage you to come. We'd love to help you make that decision. If you're a parent of a small child today and God spoke into your heart, we're going to give you just a moment to respond to that. And then uh, we'll get right into the dedication part and, and be done today. Father, we 